I want us to turn this morning in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Come upon the beginning of a new year and we have an opportunity for us to do a little bit of evaluation in our lives, to think back over the year that we have just come through and to, in a sense, do some measuring, uh, to identify good things and bad things that have occurred in our lives, to commit to change and growth in certain areas. One area that I want us to focus our attention on this morning, I think it's an area that we need to look at on a regular basis in our lives, is what is my relationship to the Word of God? Now, many of us have, have numerous Bibles in our homes. But the truth is that many of us spend little time in and reflecting upon the Word of God. And this morning, I want to kind of provoke our attention from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, about our relationship with the Word of God. The setting for this parable that Jesus gives is at the end of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. It runs Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7 and is the longest message, sermon, or discourse that you will find on the pages of Scripture. Many have admired this sermon. I was at uh, Kathy Halpin's house the other night, and I don't know, Kathy, you have a, a, a book on famous speeches on your coffee table. And I, was, I picked that up, saw the title of it, and I said, I bet the Sermon on the Mount is in this book. And opened it up, started paging through, and, and what do you know? Between the Gandhi and Muhammad, I find the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus Christ listed as one of the classic speeches of all time. Why? Well, because the Sermon on the Mount of Christ is a powerful statement, often admired, but it's fascinating to me because if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you will find that it is one of the most controversial teachings of Jesus, particularly in relationship to his exclusive claims to be the only way to the Father. So it was fascinating to me that that would be in there listed as the most famous speech, although I expected that it would be. Verse 21 of chapter 7 says this, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So basically, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, if you don't follow hard after me and walk in obedience to my truth, you will not, you cannot have a relationship with the Father in heaven. It is a bold claim in which Jesus is in effect saying, it is foolish to ignore my words and my teaching. And as a result, he makes obedience to his word vital, imperative, and the exclusive factor in determining whether or not someone has a relationship with God. You see, the fundamental thrust of this text is this. If you know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then your life will be characterized by a continual obedience to and conformity with the Word of God. So this morning, I want to challenge us from this passage of Scripture to examine our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He presented His teaching as the way to live and to experience blessing in our lives. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, we find a story then in verse 24 about two builders. One of the builders is called a wise builder, and the other builder is called a foolish builder. It is a story primarily about foundations and their importance in our lives. 
It's a story that can be grasped by a scholar. It's a story that can be grasped by the average layperson. Okay, you don't have to be highly intelligent to understand the ramifications of what the Savior is saying in this text. It is a story about the vital importance of foundations in our lives. Now, in the parable, the discussion is about a house, a foundation, and storms that come against it. And as you unpack it, you will begin to realize that Jesus is saying this, your life is the house that is being built. The foundation of a substantial life is the teachings of Jesus Christ. And the storms that come are the normal, disrupting circumstances that we experience in a fallen world. The outcome of the storms depends upon the foundation upon which you are building your life. And what Jesus is going to so profoundly and clearly recommend is that we choose to build a strong foundation based on the wisdom and teaching of his word. The Empire State Building is an illustration of the importance of foundations. The Empire State Building was built in 1930. It soars to a height of 1,454 feet, almost 54 or 1,500 feet out of the ground, five football fields vertically. I went into Google and said, I asked the question about the foundation of the Empire State Building. What is that like? What is that like? Here's what I discovered. They blasted through rock 55 feet below the surface of the earth until they hit something called Manhattan Schist, which is a bedrock foundation. So there's rock that's like shale that needed to be blasted through until they finally came to something called Manhattan Schist, which is the bedrock upon which, as you look at the island of Manhattan, you'll see places where the bedrock is because you see very high buildings. And then you'll see lower areas where they don't have that kind of bedrock. And then again, you'll see these buildings rising up. Okay, the foundation of the Empire State Building extends 55 feet below the surface of the earth. It rests on 210 columns that are 8 to 10 feet square and are filled with concrete with steel piers emerging out of them. Okay, 210 piers, 55 feet long, 8 to 10 feet square, filled with concrete. Okay, that is a stunning and amazing foundation. Why did they build such a strong foundation? Because the foundation is critical to the structural integrity of what rests upon it. Okay, what you are building your life upon determines how stable and productive the structure of your life will be. Okay, and this text clearly calls us to look at foundations. And it's a fascinating thing, because you would say, why is such effort and time and energy and money and cost, why is it put into foundations? Here's the reason. Not because they are seen, but because they are critical to the integrity of what rests upon them. So this morning, I submit to you this very simple question. What is the foundation of your life? Is the foundation of your life reliable? Okay, is it a secure and dependable foundation? The thrust, I think, of this text, very simply put, is this. Live wisely by building your life on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Okay, live wisely by building the foundation of your life. Secure your life to the 
bedrock, if you will, of the Word of God. Now, I want to just make four simple observations moving through this text. The first one, and this is just the most obvious thing as you read this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... So you come to the end of this discourse on life. Jesus covers a vast array of topics in the Sermon on the Mount. He comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he uses the word therefore to transition into the application and importance of these words in our lives. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. That is to say, it was a total and complete devastation. Okay, two foundations, two buildings, two storms, two outcomes. And you'll find Jesus doing this throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He's always talking about there are two ways. Okay, now what is he saying? What he's saying is controversial in the world that we live in. Because we live in a world that wants to say the truth is somewhat relative. That how you get to heaven is somewhat relative. Many religious leaders talk about how you get to heaven as if it was a vast interstate system. You can choose whatever road you want to go on. Ultimately, we're going to end up at the same location or goal. Jesus would speak contrary to that in the Sermon on the Mount. He would declare that there is one way to the Father, that there is one way to live, that one plus one always equals two. Okay, He would speak in terms that relate to the concept and, and notion of absolute truth. So as we work through this passage of Scripture, I think the first thing that Jesus puts an emphasis on is this, hearing these words of mine. Comes up in verse 24, comes up in verse 26. So the first truth that emerges is this. It is important to receive God's truth. Okay, it is to your advantage to hear the Word of God. It is your privilege to hear the Word of God, to read the Word of God, to listen to it. And so I think the first application that would emerge out of this text is this. How am I doing in relationship to receiving God's Word? Am I reading it on a regular basis? Do I listen to it? Do I spend time in the house of God listening to preaching about the Word of God? Do I memorize the Word of God? Do I meditate on the Word of God? Am I taking it into my life as a norm or as a habit? Okay, that's the first emphasis that emerges. Do I have a plan to receive the Word of God into my life on a regular basis? So now, it's important that we set our lives up around getting time with God and receiving His Word. If you don't have a regular habit of doing in this your life, can I give you this encouragement this morning? Set aside a brief amount of time. Don't Take small steps. Don't... Don't try to say, okay, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. If you don't have a regular habit of reading through the Word of God, I can pretty much guarantee you that you'll get started, you'll do well for a while, but you will get frustrated. So if receiving the Word of God is important, then here's what you need to do. Make a commitment to be in places where you hear the Word of God. In church, in Bible studies, in Sunday school classes. 
make it a priority to be receiving the Word of God in your daily life, in your personal walk. Set your alarm clock a little bit earlier to get up so that you can spend a little bit of time. If, if it starts with simply five minutes as the beginning of a new habit and a new lifestyle, you will benefit from it. Okay, and don't get discouraged when you have days where you miss. Okay, take little steps, and here's something else that will help you. Find someone who can hold you accountable to fulfilling that obligation. Give someone permission to say, ask me if I am receiving, being in, reading the Word of God. Okay? I say this to college students in our church when they go to college. When you get to college, find a church where you can hear, receive the Word of God. Because the blessing of stability and strength in your life in this text is tied first to your receiving the Word of God. But most of us know that simply receiving truth doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be different. Okay? Satan has a very good grasp of Scripture. James chapter 1 tells us. Right? Genesis chapter 3 tells us. He has a grasp on Scripture. Matthew chapter 4 tells us. He has a firm grasp on Scripture. He quotes it very effectively when he is in the process of tempting and deceiving. So knowing God's Word is not enough. Uh, another illustration of that, I think, of uh, the warnings that are on the packages of cigarettes. It's one thing to see the warning, to read it and know what it says. But it's not until I actually believe what it says and, and adjust my life to what it says that that message actually has a saving impact on my life. All right? There are nutrition labels on all food products today. Okay? Here's, the, here's what I found in my own personal experience. Those labels haven't deeply affected my behavior. Okay? I read them. Here's the sad thing. I tend to like all the things that have all the bad stuff on the label. Okay, I don't know about you, but that's what I find. I'm attracted to the things that aren't necessarily good for you. Those nutrition labels don't change your health. Unless after you read it, you adjust your eating habits. Okay? So it's one thing to know the Word of God. But if I'm not putting it into practice, it's not going to make a substantial difference in my life. So the second thought that emerges from the text, it's important to receive God's Word. It is crucial or critical that you put it into practice. And that's the emphasis you find. As you come to the end of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is putting this emphasis on thick and heavy. Notice what he says in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 24. Therefore, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Okay, so I need to receive the Word of God, but I also need to put the Word of God into practice in my life. Obedience to God's truth, taking it and adjusting my life to it, is the bedrock that's described in this text. It is the solid foundation of the house that stands up to the substantial storms that come in life. So the question that we should be asking ourselves this morning is this. Am I not only hearing the Word of God, but am I putting it into practice in my daily life? R.T. France makes this observation about the Sermon on the Mount. He says, The teaching of Jesus is not to be admired, but obeyed. Okay, the teaching of Jesus, 
the truth of God's Word. It's not something that we should sit back and look at it from a distance and say, you know what, that is glorious truth. That is probably life-altering truth. It is not meant to be admired. It is meant to be obeyed. And that's why at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, in a sense, puts on the pressure and calls people to be responsive to what they have heard Him say. Because you can know the truth that Jesus Christ teaches in the Sermon on the Mount and still spend eternity separated from God in hell forever if you were unresponsive to the message that He calls us to live and to obey. There is a serious difference between hearing and knowing. Every parent in this room knows that there is a difference between hearing and obeying or listening. Usually we issue our uh, frustration to our children in regards to listening and obeying in a statement like this. Did you hear me? Okay, what do we mean? I'm watching your life. I think you heard what I said, but I don't know if you are listening so as to make an adjustment in your life. Kids are great at hearing. They need to be taught to obey. Okay, and I think what Jesus is just putting his finger on is a very simple and vital truth. Everyone who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice is like a wise man. And I think one of the, one of the uh, principles that emerges out of this text is something like this. Christians are people who take the Word of God seriously. Okay, I think it is very difficult to read verse 21 of this text. Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but only he who does the will of my Father is truly my child. So it's possible to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. How do you know if you're a Christian? How do you know if your life has been transformed by the gospel of the grace of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? You know how you know? You have a desire in your heart, not perfectly, but undeniably and indelibly written there. You have an inclination to do the Word of God. That's what it means, Jesus is saying here, I think, in essence, to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who is responsive to biblical truth. When the Spirit of God speaks the Word of God into someone's heart and presses it upon their heart, they are not resistant to it. They're attracted to it. And I think that's, in a sense, the, the thrust of what Jesus is saying here. So it is critical that we put the Word that we know into practice. I've had this experience personally. Okay? Uh, when I have a desire to work on my relationship with my wife, I have access to some very good material in my office, okay? Material that I give to other people. Listen, it is possible to read, to comprehend, and to be able to communicate truth about an effective marriage, what it takes to establish a strong marriage, but that will not make your marriage strong, knowing it here, okay? It's not till it begins to affect your daily life and relationship with your mate that that truth begins to take hold. Because there's a difference between hearing and knowing and putting truth into practice. It's when we put truth into practice that certain promises begin to emerge. Now what this text does is it starts to beg the question, why is the foundation of the house of our life so critical? Okay, now in the illustration, Jesus talks about a torrent or a storm that comes rushing through a valley and causes one house to collapse while the other one stands firm. He's using 
pictorial terminology from the land of Palestine, where there were many, they call them wadis. They're dry valleys. Most of Israel is a desert land. Occasionally you have rainy seasons that come through during the year. A foolish person in this text does something that is tragic in their life. They build their house on sand where the torrents of water would rush through. And so Jesus gives you this picture in terminology. He says, the rain came, which would happen during the raining seasons. The streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house. Okay, that experience of storm, of trouble, comes to both houses. The one with the strong foundation and the one without a strong foundation. And basically, I think what Jesus is saying is this. Every one of us is going to experience seasons of testing in our lives. Every Christian, every life will experience storms that will test the stability of our lives. So the third thought that I think emerges here is, why should we listen to and put the Word of God into practice? Because all of us will face storms or tests in our lives. Both houses are hit. But the outcomes of the storms that beat against the houses are dramatic in their difference. One house stands firm. And Jesus says, here's why. It stood firm because it had a strong, rock-solid foundation. The foundation in context, listening to and doing the Word of God. The other house experiences a fate that is somewhat sad. Verse 26, verse 27, it says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. It was utterly and completely devastated by the storm. And the question that comes to mind is why? The answer is found in verse 26. It says, The one who hears the word of God that is, has knowledge, but doesn't put knowledge into practice, is foolish. It is like building one's house on sand. What is true about sand? It provides no stability when rain comes against it. Okay, most of us have had the experience down at the beach somewhere of building sandcastles. And usually we're doing it in areas where it's tidal and we know water's going to come through. And the result is easy to anticipate. When the waves come through and hit a sand castle, what happens? It collapses. Okay, it can't stand the test. I have never been tempted the day after building a sand castle on the beach to go out the next morning and see how it's doing. I've, I just have never been tempted to do that. Why? It is predictable what will happen in the life of someone who builds their house on sand. It can't stand the test. And so what is Jesus doing? He's saying, Christian friend, Be sure that you bring the Word of God into your life and that you put it into practice because when you do, you are living wisely and your life will become more substantial and effective in its testimony in storms. Folks, do you understand this? You live in a world that is watching your life. They are watching to see how you weather the storms, the same storms that they experience. And you know what they are longing to see? They're longing to see that there is something out there that makes a difference when the storms of life inevitably come. And in this account, Jesus is saying, there aren't three or four kinds of people. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are people who know the truth of God's Word and have responded to it. 
and put it into practice on a daily basis. And there are people who know the truth of God and foolishly ignore it. I think I get this right. In the year 2005, a series of somewhat historic floods came through on the Delaware River through the areas of East and Phillipsburg Harmony, all those areas. Okay? And I remember going over, and I, I can't remember if I saw this on video or if I saw this when I went over to the bridge to kind of just look at the substantial nature of the floodwaters that were coming through. I can't remember if I saw it on a video or if I saw it personally. But there was a house that was floating down the river and just about hit the free bridge, completely submerged underwater except for the peak of the roof line is all you could see. Okay, now, when I saw that, I, here's a thought that came to my mind. I'm sure it came to the mind of every person and to the guy that built the house. I should have been more careful. When I built that house, I shouldn't have built it so close to the river. Or if I was going to build it that close to the river, I should have given it a more substantial foundation in light of the storms that it was likely to incur. I drove down River Road this summer. Okay, and I had not been down that road very often before. And I know I haven't been down it in the daylight because I never noticed what I saw as I drove down that road. I noticed houses on foundations that I'm going to estimate they're probably 15 to 20 feet high cinder block. Okay, you know what that tells me? Those people that are living in those houses that are built on strong, solid foundations, 15, 20 feet up, they not only saw the storms, but they learned from them. They heeded the word. They took the warning and they made adjustments so that when the storm comes, their house can stand. Now, folks, you know what God wants us to do in this new year? He wants us to be people of truth. He wants us to be people that listen to the words of Christ. And I think, really, as you, as you look through this text, do you get this sense that there is a warning in this text and there's a promise in this text? Do you get that sense? That those that build on sand, here's the warning. Respond to the teaching of Jesus Christ. Respond to the call of the gospel. Put his truth into practice in your life. And when the storms inevitably come, you will find your life is substantial and strong in the power of God. But if you ignore his truth, the outcome of the storms will be utter and complete devastation. It is sad to, to lose a home in a flood. It is sadder to see someone's life swept away. It's a sad thing to watch somebody's house float down the river under the bridge and gone forever. But it is a far sadder thing to see someone's life being swept away and destroyed because they would not heed the word of God. The last thought that emerges out of this text, I think, is very, very powerful. God stabilizes or blesses those who build on the bedrock of truth. God stabilizes or blesses those who build on the bedrock of truth. The warning is, in a sense, something like this. Sand offers no protection in a storm. The sand of religion will not stand against the judgment of God. The sand of secular thinking will not stand. Saying that life is all about having fun now and I'll get serious about my walk with God later. That's foolish thinking. Because when the storms of life come, you will not stand. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. It has a fourfold instability to it. It can't rest. 
However, Psalm 119, 165 says this, and I love this text. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing will offend them. Folks, this morning, if you love the Word of God, here's what you're going to do. You're going to receive it. And you're going to set up a plan, a way in your life that you are regularly receiving the Word of God. You have intake. But the second thing you're going to do is be sure that you put what you know into practice. And when you do, the promises of Jesus that emerge in this passage of Scripture will become your personal experience and property. Truth will storm-proof your life. His wisdom will stand when the going gets tough in your life. James chapter 1 and verse 25 puts it this way. And I think perhaps quoting almost directly from the words of Christ here. It says, The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in everything that he does. Now that is a glorious promise. If I was to say to you this morning, do you want to experience the blessing of God in every area of your life? I think I could be fairly certain that every person in this room would say, you know what, yeah. I would love to have the blessing of God poured out in my life in every area. You know what God says? Here's what God says. He says, hear my word and do it. And you will experience my blessing running across the board in everything that you do. This morning, I think the challenge that emerges from this text is this. Are you playing the fool? Are you ignoring the truth of God's word? As a young person, are you ignoring the call of God's truth in your life? Or are you responsive as he pleads with you and speaks to you by the spirit through the word of God that you hear preached? Are you responsive to it? Or are you believing the lie that I can have fun now and it won't affect my life later? I plead with you as a young person. I plead with you as a married individual. I I plead with you in these areas, in your relationship with people of the opposite sex, in terms of what you view, in terms of what you value, in terms of what you listen to, in terms of how you treat your mate. Are you building your life on the rock-solid foundation of God's truth? Have you made a commitment in your heart that when the Spirit of God speaks when he prompts in my heart to changes, to uh, adjustments in my life and in my relationships, will your answer to the word of the God through the Spirit be yes? Because if it is, then you will start out this new year building your life on a solid foundation that will stand up to the inevitable storms of life that will come. Now you may say this morning, Pastor Tim, what motivation can you give me? for heeding God's truth and putting it into practice? What, what are the outcomes that I can anticipate in my life if I take the Word of God and begin to live it in my daily life? And I, I just, from Psalm 119, I want to ask you to turn there. Turn back to Psalm 119 real quickly. And I just want to just go through a few promises and blessings that will flow into your life if you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to be a person who receives and puts into practice the Word of God. What are the blessings, the gifts, the promises that will come with a commitment to simple obedience? The first blessing and promise is this. The Word of God will bring purity into your life. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. 
I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against God. Here's what you will experience. If you pursue God's word, it will bring purity and freedom from oppressive guilt in your life. Second promise, clarity and wisdom. Psalm 119, verse 97. Listen how David says this. He says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Notice, the difference is not that you become intellectual. The difference is that you become wise. You know how to handle the various circumstances and temptations of life with wisdom and skill. Okay, you do not have to be a person with a high IQ to be a wise, God-honoring Christian. And I think it is so important that we understand that. High IQ does not necessarily equal morality. Okay, but heeding God's truth will bring the blessing of wisdom and clarity into your life. Verse 99, he says this. He says, I have more insight than all my teachers. Why? I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Verse 105, your, lamp is, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Folks, do you see? The word of God not only brings purity, it will also bring clarity. That is why the best friend that you have in this world is the friend that pleads to you with and from the word of God who does not hold back out of fear of offending you, but instead is willing to call you to truth, to speak the truth of God's Word into your life. Find a friend like that. Be a friend like that. Because you will bring clarity and blessing into the life of those around you. Another promise. Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. The Word of God will bring joy and happiness when it is obeyed. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk, that is practice, life, according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. Verse 12. Praise to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice, notice this, I rejoice in following or practicing your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. That to me is an amazing statement. You know how excited people get about money? How excited people get about a a better salary, about a raise? You know what the psalmist is saying? He's saying, I delight in your statutes. They excite me more than any temporal thing. They bring a joy and happiness in my life that is sustainable even in the times of tempting in our lives. The Word of God will also do this. It will bring clarity into your life. Psalm 119, verse 165. Psalm 119, verse 165, which I already quoted to you this morning. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Now, folks, you could go on and on through Psalm 119, just recording a list of reasons for why you should submit your life to the Word of God. Why you should know it and put it into practice in your daily life. So, my challenge to you as we move into the new year is this. Will you become a person of God's Word? 
Will you carve out a time on a daily basis? I'm going to tell you this. The morning is probably the best time to create a regular habit in your life. Why? Life is so incredibly busy. There are so many distractions in the culture that we live in that will keep you from substantial time in God's Word. So I want to challenge you. Think about how does my life going to need to be adjusted so that I can have a regular time with God in His Word. Because when you do, these are some of the blessings that will come your way. Mom and Dad, can I give you this challenge? Live the truth of God's Word before your kids. Let them see a life that is affected by, altered by, directed and guided by the truth of God's Word. And don't make it appear to be a burden. Do it as what the psalmist says, this is the delight of my life. Serve God, obey God, yield to His Word with a smile on your face. So that the Word of God you are living will attract the obedience and the affections of your children. Show them in how you live, in what you say, and how you say it. Make God's truth attractive. See, everything in our lives depends upon our willingness to submit ourselves to the truth of God's Word. I think Jesus raises the stakes that high. Your relationship to God's Word determines how well you will stand against the storms that inevitably come in your life. Will you cultivate a heart and ear that listens as the Spirit of God prompts, reveals, illuminates truth in various circumstances in your life so that when the vicissitudes of life come and all the undulations of life come, that you can stand and the result will be this, a watching world will be attracted to know what you know. And it's not really what you know, is it? It's who you know that has changed your life. It's who you know that speaks into your life and says, don't be foolish, be wise. Build your life on my truth. Build your life on all of my truth. Don't be selective in your hearing and obedience. Be a person who is fully committed to obey all of God's truth, even when that obedience is difficult. I must come to the end of a sermon like this on the importance of God's word with a warning. The warning is this. Please do not hear from what's being said this morning that the way to heaven, the way to a relationship with God is through obedience. What this text basically is putting an emphasis on in Matthew chapter 7 is this. Those that know God follow and obey his word. If you don't know Jesus Christ, here's what you need to do. You need to come to him and say, I've looked at your Sermon on the Mount and I can't do that. I fall short. I sin in regard to so many things in the Sermon on the Mount. What I need is your grace. You come to Jesus Christ. Allow his law, allow his word to show you who you are as you look in the mirror of its truth. And you see that the reflection in the mirror doesn't match the truth of God's word. Realize that his son Jesus Christ died on the cross to cancel all of your shortcomings, all of your sin. And He will, by His shed blood, forgive you from all of it and give you the hope of eternal life. And once He changes your heart and gives you new birth, you will find that there is a growing desire in your life to become a man, a woman, a young person of the Word. And see, the choices this morning are very simple. I can live wisely. I can live foolishly. I can build my house, the house of my life, upon the rock-solid bedrock of Jesus Christ's teaching. Or I can build it upon the sand 
of human philosophy and human thinking and human desires. You see, folks, here's what I think. I think I would be a fool to try to build the house of my life on sand when the bedrock of Jesus Christ is offered. So I challenge you this year, as you go forth into this year, be a man, be a woman, be a young person of the Word of God. Don't simply know it. Put it into practice because the storms of life will come. And when they come, the blessing of God will rest on those that follow and do His Word. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning.